Awesome. Well, my name is Josh, because I do see some new faces, and so I figure I should introduce myself. I'm one of the few Joshes around here. Uh, normally, I've got a guitar in my hand when I'm up here, but it's a nice little change of pace. Um, when I don't have my guitar, I feel a little bit extra nervous, even if it's still singing or if it's talking in front of you. So I'm glad to be uh, up here, though, sharing uh, from Daniel 6 today. Uh, Daniel 6 is uh, the story of Daniel and the lion's den. Uh, I think we're all pretty familiar with that if we've gone to at least even just one Sunday school class, because I think it's a requirement that you go through that at least once a month with kids. Um, it's an easy story for kids to, to go through, right? It's got animals, and they're not doing awful things to Daniel. Um, the hero wins in the end. It's a really feel-good story that I think we're all so familiar with, um, and it shows kind of an idealistic uh, world of what it means to stand up for your faith, right? Um, and so that's what I always believed it to be, um, and so I kind of gave myself the challenge of, is there more to this story than just like what I hear in Sunday school? And it is. And when I read it uh, for the first time preparing for this sermon, I realized one thing is that it kind of feels like a political drama. Uh, you have people trying to undermine Daniel, who's doing really well, and so got the, has this like West Wing, House of Cards vibe uh, going on with it. So um, before I get in further, ha have you heard of ChatGPT? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anybody not familiar with this? I'm going to go ahead and explain it. Uh, okay, cool. So what ChatGPT is, is it is an, it's AI. It's an artificial intelligence language model sort of thing that you can talk to it. And it's almost replying back to you as if it was a real person. It, it is uh, replying in a very natural way. And you can tell it to do things. Um, like you could tell it to write a synopsis of Daniel chapter 6 to sound like a political drama. So I'm going to read that um, word for word of what ChatGPT said. Daniel 6, a political drama, tells the tale of a cunning and ambitious Babylonian court where political intrigue and power struggles abound. At the center of the story is Daniel, a wise and faithful servant to King Darius, who is poised to rise to the top of the political hierarchy. In Act 1, King Darius, through his own discernment, selects Daniel as head of state causing un unease and anger amongst the other court officials. The other officials seek to undermine Daniel's position by manipulating King Darius into decreeing a law that forbids worship of any god but the king himself. Daniel's refusal to abide by the law results in his arrest and condemnation to death. Act 2 delves into the fallout of Daniel's disobedience. King Darius, who now deeply regrets the decree, is unable to save Daniel from the wrath of the law due to the constraints of the legal system. Meanwhile, Daniel's stoic resolve and steadfast faith lead him to survive an ordeal in the lion's den, further enraging his enemies. In the climactic Act 3, King Darius rushes to the lion's den to see if Daniel is alive, and to his amazement, he emerges unharmed. The king holds a grand celebration, recognizing the power of Daniel's God and promoting Daniel to an even higher position in the court. And from that day forward, the God of Daniel is recognized as the one true God in Babylon. Uh, some of these things, I don't know if it actually got exactly right. There's maybe some, like, a little bit of discrepancy, but I'm like, I think it kind of is getting to the point. And it summarizes, through its depiction of political maneuvering, loyalty, and redemption, Daniel 6, a political drama, emphasizes the importance of conviction and courage in navigating the treacherous waters of politics and the ability of faith to overcome insurmountable odds. So not bad for some AI. I, I promise you the rest of the sermon is not AI generated. Um, and uh, yes, yeah, so um, I also um, 
I want to uh, just address some of the things that are going on at this time in the story of Daniel. Because I think we're all kind of familiar with Daniel in the lion's den, right? He, um, there's this law that comes out of the king uh, is manipulated to pass this law that says that nobody's going to pray to you except for, uh, except for, to the king himself. And, and Daniel's like, no, I ain't about that. I'm going to still continue to pray to my God because he is known to be a faithful servant of God. And um, we see the trial of the lions then take place and him come out of there. And there's also some other things that I don't remember actually happening in the Sunday school uh, lesson where at the end, you know, Daniel's enemies who tried to manipulate the king, they're, they're thrown into the lion's den as well as their wives and their kids. I'm like, ooh, that's, that's problematic. Why didn't, I guess that's why we don't cover the rest of that in Sunday school. Because I, I initially read that and I was like, I don't know if I want to do a sermon about this. Uh, I need to, like, I have some issue with that. Like, what's going on here? Well, we'll get into that. So the book of Daniel can be split into two units. The first six chapters come across pretty easy to read. Uh, they're stories of faith of Daniel and his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The second half is where it's not so simple. It's um, visions that Daniel has, and honestly, to this day, there's a lot of debate of what some of these visions mean. Uh, even in the Old Testament, or sorry, in the New Testament with the Pharisees, they're debating of what these things mean. Jesus describes himself as the son of man. That comes from Daniel. Uh, so there's a lot of debate even to this day of what some of those visions from the book of Daniel uh, really means. But we're right there in the middle with Daniel and the lion's den uh, towards the end of his uh, political career, towards the end of his uh, tenure in, in, in Babylon and, and still serving the Lord faithfully. So why is Daniel in Babylon? Why are these people in Babylon? Well, the nation of Israel is in exile. In the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah is constantly warning uh, the people of Israel, hey, if you don't turn back to God, if you don't get it right, th bad things are going to happen. Those bad things being exiled into Babylon. And, and that does happen. The people do not uh, repent. They do not turn back to God. And uh, they are um, forced into exile. And, and Babylon chose uh, certain people in, in the, each of the nations that they would conquer to come back to the city center. Uh, typically, they were intelligent of some kind of noble status. Typically, they were a pretty good-looking uh, male person as well. So there was a lot of requirements that they had, but they wanted them to become assimilated into the culture of, of Babylon, right? And so they bring them uh, to the city center. So Daniel and his friends um, were part of that, and they were forced to leave Israel and go to Babylon to learn the foreign ways of this government that had taken over them, and they were forced to then serve that government. So that's what's going on. We're going to zoom out a little bit more and talk about the, the meta-narrative of, of the nation of Israel. So the nation of Israel, they're God's chosen people, right? God has made this uh, covenant with Abraham, and that's been passed on into this nation of Israel that God would use them to become mighty, powerful, and, and really his city on a hill, right? Um, and a light to the rest of the world. 600 years before this story is when God's chosen people were rescued from Egypt, and they were brought out of slavery, and they were, um, they became over time that great and mighty nation, right, through King Solomon, King David, uh, through these kings. Um, and so they were a mighty nation for quite a while. However, they lost that faith in God. They lost that relationship that, that they had with, and they lost their first love. And this exile was the result of that self-severed relationship that they had with God. So during this hopeless, defeated time where they are 
in exile. They feel that God is so far away, so distant. They feel that the stories of the past where they were uh, this mighty nation are just um, a figment of their imagination. All of that seems so far away. They see these stories from Daniel, these about devout followers of God, having success against this foreign nation. And this is where we also then see probably the best reason I've heard of why it's, I think, okay that we see an entire family get slaughtered for manipulating the king and his royal decrees and all this stuff to try and undermine David. Because imagine being in the nation of Israel and this hostile government that has taken over, they, they get take advantage of every part of your life and you have nothing. And you think that there's just no justice in this world, right? And you see a, a story where this um, oppressed person does get justice for what's happening. Granted, there's some other things that, like, we could probably debate on the specifics of how that justice was taken. I think that we also have to remember that in the Old Testament, we can't treat everything as prescriptive. We have to treat it as descriptive and that it's just describing what happened. King Darius decided to make that decision to throw them into the lion's den, and that's his decision. I don't think that we can say that God ordained that one way or, the, or another. It is just describing what happened there. So what can we really learn from Daniel 6? Where is the good news in this story uh, from the Old Testament? Well, the first point that I want to give you is that God is in control, even in exile, and that's good news for the nation of Israel, and that's good news for us. Like I said, the Israelites in this time were ruled under a foreign, hostile power. There was little control that they had over their circumstances. If the ruling power wanted something to take, they could have it. So to read this story and to imagine somebody standing up to that foreign government. I mean, they would probably be saying things like, can you believe that? Can you believe Daniel would have stood up to the king and the laws of the king? Not only that, he lived to tell the tale from a den of lions. The story makes it clear that Daniel had no control over this situation. He, he was doing what he was going to do. He did not get to say, oh, don't worry. I know how to tame lions, guys. I'm fine. God was in control. And like we see in previous stories in Daniel, I think Daniel trusted God regardless of the outcome of his night with the lions. Now, I will be the first to admit that when things seem to be off of my plan, I, that I have for myself, I'm, well, my life is in ruin, uh, just to be casual with it. Uh, so right now, my wife and I, we are Hannah, right? Uh, wave. Hey. Uh, <laughs> Right now, we're going through the home buying process, and that's really exciting. We're super excited. But um, about once a week at least, I go through a little bit of a panic attack uh, with the whole thing. It, it's exciting. It's scary. Right now, we're kind of in this extreme like savings mode um, just to ensure that we have everything that we need for closing costs and all these other things that are probably going to show up when you just buy a house. On Wednesday, I had to get my oil changed. And they told me that my car needed a tune-up, and I was like, okay, how much is that? And they're like, it's $400. I'm like, oh, my gosh, like, come on, man. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm saving for a house, and I start going through this, well, just naturally, I, I panicked, right, about not having enough money to buy the home that would become bankrupt, uh, that would be living on the streets, that uh, I'd lose the rest of my hair on my head. Uh, just, you know, normal, solid response to a tune-up. Um, for one... I do need to chill out. I, I can just chill out. But more importantly, I need to recognize that God is in control, right? This is not a den of lions, but you and I are going to face hardships. 
much harder than paying for a car tune-up and, and while you're trying to save money. So, yeah, God is in control. We may not be facing that pit of lines, like I said, uh, but, you know, from breaking the laws of our government like Daniel was facing. But I do know that each of us worry, meaning we give way to anxiety, we have unease, we allow our minds to dwell on a difficult situation or troubles in our life. And this doesn't mean to invalidate those troubles. Those are troubles. Those are real. It's not fun to have to pay for car maintenance when you're trying to save money for a house. Like, those things happen. Home buying can be a time that's enjoyable, but also stressful. And Daniel was facing a pit of lions. Like, he can't deny that. He's like, oh, it's, it's fine. It's fine. It's a pit of lions. Like, they're not going to. It's fine, right? Right. He, he, we can't deny that that was a troublesome moment that he was going to be going through, regardless of how the outcome would happen. But instead, he did focus on what he could control and his decision to be simply devoted to God. Daniel would rather be devoted to God than gain any earthly or cultural acceptance uh, or benefits of being in that court of that high position. He'd rather die for God than live for anyone else. So first point being, God is in control even in exile, and that's good news for them and for us. That second point, God wants our hearts uncompromised. So God wants our hearts, comma, uncompromised. Israel, the nation of Israel, had a pattern of compromising. Not long after the people were rescued from Egypt that 600 years ago, they built a golden idol to worship because Moses was gone for a few days. Um, And so they were just so easily flip-flopping back over to just something else to worship, right? Another example is after seeing all the nations around them with kings of their own, they're like, huh, you know, this whole like following God and prophets stuff kind of sounds boring. Like, let's get us a king. And so they'd rather have a human king than to be led by God. And, and I mentioned the book of Jeremiah. The entire book of Jeremiah is, is him pleading for the people to turn back to God or else something disastrous would happen. And it did. So the Israel did have a pattern of compromising. I think it's important to point out what happens to Babylon after Daniel does this, though. When Daniel does this, it doesn't, we don't see like a nationwide revival of repentance. And in fact, in that time when Daniel is arrested, we don't really see anybody else like get arrested for that. We don't hear about anyone else going through the trial of the den of lions. When he's facing that den of lions, he's facing it as a human alone. There's no other person there with him facing that trial. Lost my point. So no one else was being thrown into that den of lions, and it seems like he's the sole person there uh, facing this after a crafty law was made solely to undermine him. While we don't have laws that forbid us in America to worship God freely, we can just as easily let our faith be compromised when it's awkward. Daniel could have just as easily obeyed the laws in public and then in private close his windows and pray in secret. Doesn't, doesn't sound like it would have been a bad idea. Probably would have worked just fine, right? He doesn't have to pray, but if he was going to pray in public, it would have to be to the king. So just don't pray out in public. And when you do pray, pray in secret, right? It doesn't sound so bad, but God doesn't want half-hearted devotion. He wants all of you. So what does this look like in our lives, though? Well, when we give money to our church, do we do that out of our safe security or do we sacrificially joyfully give. 
When we spend an entire evening of me time every week, do we ever stop to think about the me time that we give to God? If we don't give him our all, is it out of ignorance? Have we just not really thought about that? Or is it laziness? Do we believe he's actually worth sinking all of our devotion into? Do we believe he's actually good and faithful? And that he's the only source of goodness and life in the universe? I think it's important that we think about what is the barriers here to, not, to keep us from uh, giving our hearts to God in an uncompromised manner. So I ask you to really do take some time today to think about what are those barriers? What are those things that I need to break down so that my heart is given to God uncompromised? The last point I have for you, God wants our faith to change the way we live our daily lives. So it sounds kind of similar to my previous point, but I think it's a little different. Despite rising through the ranks of Babylonian society, Daniel had never lost sight of his devotion to God, even in the face of constant uh, scrutiny and plotting by these jealous administrators. I mean, they were trying to find flaws and faults in him before they came up with that law. They were trying to find any kind of fault, and they couldn't because his faith in God was changing the way that he lived his day-in, day-out life. So what is truly remarkable about Daniel is not just his steadfast refusal to compromise his faith, but the way in which he lived out his daily life. He was a man of impeccable character and integrity with no fault to be found in him. He was a shining example of righteousness, trustworthiness, humility, submission to God, all of which were evident to those around him. Daniel's faith was not just about avoiding questionable Babylonian plays or, or listening to godly music, listening to godly music, right? But it was a commitment to living a life that honored God and blessed those around him. Actually, in an earlier chapter, he and his friends were even uh, resisting food, the Babylonian food, because it would have been against the Torah if they would, were, were to partake in that. He was not one to Bible thump, right, uh, everywhere he went, but he refused to conform to the culture around him when it conflicted with his devotion to God. Additionally, where did Daniel pray? Well, I didn't really get that in the story that ChatGPT told us, um, so I'll tell you. Uh, he prayed with the windows open facing Jerusalem every day. When this new law had passed, he didn't go to the town center and say, I do not abide by these laws. I'm praying right here now to my God. He went to his home, just like he had been doing to pray. However, he didn't shut those windows either. And so what can we learn from this? Well, to start, it was evident that Daniel's faith was his main identifier because this law existed, because they knew that he would be praying. They knew that he would be talking to God when all else failed is that Daniel's main identifier was that he would rely on God no matter what. And so they bet on that, and they had people there near his house, and they saw him open up the window to pray, go time, let's get the cops, let's get in, arrest him, it's time. But following that, we do not see his faith waver either. We don't see him run away, we don't see him denounce God, we don't see him talk smack to anything. He doesn't stage a rebellion. 
and he doesn't try anything to save his own skin. He trusts God. Darius, King Darius, even says to him as he's about to be thrown into this den of lions, may your God, whom you serve so faithfully, rescue you. He says, may your God, whom you serve so faithfully, rescue you. King Darius knew that. He knew that that's what Daniel was all about. And at the end of this story, we see Darius have a change of heart towards God. I'm going to read, actually, part of the Bible now. Um, <laughs> starting at verse so 6, uh, 26. Darius says here, I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. And goes on to say, so this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. I lost my spot again. There we go. So... In my own life, I'm really good at fitting into those molds that our society gives us to fit into. I want to make sure that everybody's comfortable. If I have something that might make somebody feel uncomfortable, I want to fix that, right? Do I really want hearts to feel loved by God? Well, story for you. At my current job, I was walking back up to the office from the parking garage and had my headphones in, my new AirPods that I got for Christmas. They're awesome. I love it. Um, and I looked up from my phone, and I saw the security guard at the front desk, but this was like a different security guard. He was new, and I could tell he was new because he waved hello in a very, like, happy manner. And I was like, don't do that. That's not, that's not, get with the program. That's not how this works. So I responded with the customary, uh, how's it going? And he proceeds to tell me how it's going. And he says, not good. My grandfather passed away. It's been really hard on my family, um, especially my mom. And uh, in my mind, uh, I'm not thinking, dang, that sucks. And like, how can I help this person? How can I be there? I'm thinking, dude, I got like an hour lunch break. I, I got to get back. I got to get back to work. Like, I got things to do. I got a meeting here soon, which is not great. Um, you know, people are walking by as he shares with me. Uh, about his family and, and how this uh, death was pretty quick and unexpected. And I'm left pretty speechless that he would just share this with me. He's a new security guard, but I don't know him. He doesn't know me. You know, I asked him a few basic questions. How's this family taking it? Oh, um, you know, are everybody able to get together? That's, that's good. I'm glad they're able to get together. Um, how are you doing? Are you got, you have everything you need? And, you know, so tell him, I, say, tell him, you know, I'm sorry that this happened. That's so sad. And kind of just move on. But I think about that after seeing all of what Daniel's going through. I'm like, what a wasted opportunity that I had there. You know, do I want to see a heart turn to God in such a time of need that this guy had? You know, I, I can make justifications that, you know, hey, I gave him a few minutes of talking. Like, that probably was really good for him. And it probably was. Probably was good to at least share a few things. But I have so much that I can relate to him on. I lost my own grandfather. And, you know, it was my mom's mom. And it, it was really hard on our family. It was unexpected. I have a lot of things that I can relate to in that time. It was really tough on our family. And I can take, I can be late to a meeting. And the meeting wasn't even for another 30 minutes. It's not a bad thing to have done what I did there. I did okay. 
But I did the bare minimum. God calls us for so much more. God wants our faith to change the way we live our lives daily. That when we see a need that somebody has, that we stop for nothing to feel that need. So I picked this story from the Bible at first because I thought that this was an idealistic mindset of what a hero of faith is. And I did see that it's so much more than that. It's so much more than what my sometimes pessimistic mind can see. If we ask God to reveal the good news that exists in the Old Testament and approach his word with an open heart, we can see that he's in control, he wants our hearts uncompromised, and he wants our faith to change the way that we live our daily lives. God, let us be a church that has hearts turned to you. Let us be a church that does not compromise on our faith. Let us see that you are in control in every situation and trust that you are good, that you are great. Amen. Thank you, Josh. That was great. Isn't it sweet to have to just re-examine some of these stories that we know well and see there's nuance there. There's more about God's character to be learned. Um, and so I just appreciate you sharing that. And there's a lot that I think that we can delve into um, and see the things, the good news that Josh pointed out to us, as well as other things. So I, I would really encourage you to, to read that story yourself this week. Read other parts of Daniel if you haven't in a while. Look for the things that Josh pointed out to us. Look for whatever else God will put on your heart. Um, don't miss that opportunity. So we've got some announcements. We've got some really exciting stuff today. Um, we're going to talk about the retreat in a second. I've got a lot of instructions for you, but first we're going to do the other announcements. Today is Ronnie's seminar, which is about scripture, and that is going to be at 2 p.m. in Carrollton at C-Square Cafe, and you can re yeah, register behind me. Um, Brad made a joke that like 90 people registered for the one about depression, and then like 10 people registered for the one about scripture. Um, and what's funny is that I think scripture is actually very present in both of them. So <laughs> anyway, um, but these seminars are really cool. Ronnie's just topic by topic sharing a lot, doing a workshop, and, and there's a lot of interaction and ability to hear from him and ask questions and stuff. So please don't miss that. Um, scripture is pretty important. We believe that around here. So um, don't miss that, that seminar if you've been thinking about going and um, just haven't registered yet. And then Matt's going to share with us about Spring Hita. We have a special guest. He came... He came all the way up here just to help our church that doesn't have teens care about the teens of our family of churches. So, yeah, go for it. Yeah, yeah so like he said, my name's Matt. I'm on staff with uh, the Wiley Church, but I'm also on staff with Wiley CTF, which for anybody who does not know, CTF stands for Christian Teen Fellowship. Um, yeah, and we have our annual fundraiser coming up. It's called Spring Heat Up. It's called Spring Hita because we eat a fajita dinner, and it is in the spring. And so we're very clever with our name. Um, and yeah, I, I think I remember like when DNC first got started, I remember there were a few teens that were kind of involved, but I know DNC's never really had much of a youth ministry. But I also know that you guys are going to have one before y'all know it, because y'all got some babies growing up, y'all got some little kiddos that are going to get there someday. 
And so this is an investment into kind of like what's going on right now in the family of churches, but also it's an opportunity to learn and invest in the future of your own community and the future of your own church. Um, yeah, there's going to be a fajita dinner. Um, it'll be provided by Chiloso, which is really exciting. We love Chiloso. Um, we're going to have live and silent auctions. There's going to be a live auction uh, night of a silent auction that's going to be going on completely online uh, during a couple of days leading up to the event. Uh, we're going to have raffles, which I know the raffle prizes. There are going to be raffle tickets that we're selling for $10 each. The raffle prizes, you have the potential to win all three. I don't think that's ever happened, and I doubt that it ever will, but I'm supposed to tell you that you could win all three. Um, the raffle prizes are AirPod Pros, an iPad Pro, and a $1,000 vacation package, which is a $500 airline credit, plus a $500 Airbnb gift card. Um, and so those are our raffle prizes. Ticket costs to get into the event itself. As always, like, don't let money be an issue, but also it is a fundraiser. Uh, but I know, yeah, so do with that what you will. Uh, ticket costs, $20 for adults, $15 for college students, $12 for little kiddos. Um, babies get in free, obviously. Um, Entertainment, we're going to have some live music, which we've never done before. We've never had at Spring Hita, but we're going to have that this year. Uh, save the date, April 22nd. We don't have a location, and we don't have a time. So we're very clever with our names, and we're very on top of our events. Um, and also, I just want to say this real quick. We, there's been a common misconception over the past that this is a fundraiser for just for the camp that we do every summer. Um, which, while it is, that is true, this is a fundraiser for literally everything else CTF does as a ministry over the course of the year. It's very important for our ministry, um, and so as many of y'all could come, we would, love to, we would love to have y'all bring friends, bring family. Uh, let's raise some money for the teens. Sweet. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Matt. Uh, I remember whenever I was in youth group at the church I grew up in out west, and it wasn't the most fruitful, most growing, most maturing time in my faith. It was probably similar to what some of you guys maybe experienced in youth group. And when I hear from some of our teens, especially some of our teens who have gone through CTF and then become, you know, college students and then adults, that it's instrumental in their faith. And that there's a people, group of people who really want to pour into teens and really want to spend time with them and believe in their ability to grow in their faith in that crucial time in their life is pretty awesome. So let me just, you know, add to what Matt was saying. That is something that I think is worth all of us caring about. I really wish I had CTF when I was a teen, that's for sure. Um, the next thing, this is exciting. Um, we don't have a ton of details, but we do have a date. Is a marriage conference is going to be happening for our family of churches. It's going to be on June 4th from 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. We just don't have a, um, a location yet because we want to figure out how many people are going to come. So please use the QR code behind me and that'll help us know how many people are going to come. But this is for anyone, if you've been married for one year, or maybe you're about to be married, or you've been married for 10 or more or whatever. Um, it's, we're not putting a lot of barriers around it. We really just want to spend some time being able to talk about and encourage and, um, and just help in the uh, growth and the fruitfulness of our marriages and be a resource. Um, so 
anyway, that's really exciting. And it's been, I think, a while since we've had something marriage-specific in our family of churches. I think it's been about two years, and that was just at North that we did something. Um, and so there's a lot of people across the family of churches who really have been asking for something like this, have been wanting this. And so um, we're going to put this together, and Garland's kind of leading the charge on that. So please use the QR code. Yes, Clarissa. Oh, sure, yeah. Huh, okay. Oh, zoom way in. Whoever gets it first and gets the actual URL, just go post it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was just get it, give a prize. Whoever gets it first gets a prize. No, share it with the rest of the people. We'll have more details, but we want to get a good um, interest as soon as we can. So thanks, thanks for doing that. Next thing is, before we get to retreat stuff, is giving. You can give a recurring gift or one-time gift at DentonNorthChurch.com slash donate. You can also do that on Venmo at Denton North Church. This goes to help not just our meetings here on Sundays and also just the ministry that we do every week, but also needs in our community uh, of you guys, things that come up in y'all's lives, and in our community, the larger Denton community. So um, those are things that are really on our heart um, as a church. So we want to be involved in caring about those things, and that's what your giving goes to. Okay, now we've got a bunch of details about retreat. So listen up, pull your phones out to jot notes down, that kind of stuff. Yes, this, these thing, same things will be posted like everywhere. They'll be on Mighty Networks. They're going to be in a newsletter. There's going to be a bunch of ways you get the same information, but that's because we just know it gets missed. Someone's not here or whatever else, but you can ensure that you don't miss info by getting it right now, right from the source. So the first thing is that you, most of you, probably 99% of you have been texted what your total is, what your cost is for retreat. And so if you can, please pay that today. If you haven't been texted, you're off the hook, and there's a, a reasons why. We can talk about that one-on-one. But if you've received a text message with your total, please pay that today, unless you have a question or a problem or something like that you need to talk to one of us about. Uh, that's totally fine. But many of you, um, it's straightforward. You, we sent the amount to you, and you can just go click the link and go pay. So please do that ASAP. The next thing is retreat starts at 11.29 a.m. on Saturday, next Saturday. So um, we arrive there at 11.29. It's an easy-to-remember time. And you, on your way to retreat, are going to grab a lunch of some kind somewhere. You could pack one if you want. You could go through a drive-through, something like that. We also want to encourage you to carpool uh, as much as that makes sense. So you get some relational hang time with people on your way over there. And it's like a sizable drive. I think it's like 50-ish minutes, maybe maybe an hour, depending on the traffic. But Saturday's not so bad. Um, so you get to hang out with some people on your way. And you get to you know interact and stuff and take advantage of that time. And then grab some food while you're on, in route. And then arrive at the retreat and we get to hang and kind of eat together and have start off right out of the gate breaking bread together. So any confusion about that? Carpool is like, we're not going to administrate that. It's just that's crazy. That'd be hard to do. So, you know, talk to each other. If you need a ride or you don't know um, who's driving there or whatever, you can text in the group meetings we have or post on Mighty Networks. We can help you connect to somebody. But there's going to be a bunch of people driving the same direction on the same day at the same time. So let's make it happen. Let's enjoy each other's company. Cool. Nice. That was sounded, y'all sounded so excited about that. Um, and the address will also be included in the um, stuff we post, so you can find it there, click it, and, you know, do the Google Maps. It's also on the registration form, so don't worry about that. There's a lot of ways you can find that. 
Um, we'll also check in as soon as we arrive. Like, you'll have your lunch with you. You'll check in real quick. There'll just be a couple of things you need to do. We'll make sure that we know where you're staying. We're going to give you, like, a schedule and a map and stuff, and then you can get to sitting and hanging and eating your canes or whatever you picked up on your way. Um, and so we'll be doing that together. Um, the next thing is double-check, triple-check the list of things to bring. Um, that's also in the registration form and also going to be posted everywhere. But double and triple check that when you're packing later this week. I could list all that stuff for you right now, but it's really going to matter when you're actually packing later. So I'm not going to make you guys sit through that. But an important distinction, if you're in the bunk room, if you sign up to be in the bunk room, then that means you need to bring your own like blanket and sheets and pillow or like a sleeping bag or whatever you know format you want to do. If you're in the motel room, you don't have to worry about that. That's like you'd expect in a motel room. They're going to have you know, a basic, like, you know, sheets, pillows, comforters, that kind of stuff. If you want something additional, totally bring that. But that's the difference. If you're in the bunk room, BYO, sleeping stuff. If you're in the motel room, you don't have to. Yeah, BYO, sleeping stuff. I saved a bunch of time by saying BYO, didn't I? Um, the next thing is to bring some snacks and drinks. We just, last time we had an abundance, which was great. But we just put in the packing list, bring some snacks, enough to share, but not like an insane amount. You don't have to bring enough for the entire room. But just, you know, as you combine a bunch of people, like bringing, grabbing a thing of those, you know, snack-sized chips or, you know, a 12-pack of drinks or whatever it is, bring something you like, a snack you enjoy, and then we'll have this great assortment of snacks and, and drinks and stuff like that. And we'll have coolers to put the drinks in, so don't worry about that. But don't forget that. You don't have to bring a ton, but just bring some, you know. It'll be enough. We'll have a five barley loaves and fishes situation. Um, at least that's what happened last year. We had, like, so many snacks. It's great. You just ask some people to bring a little bit, and it, it just multiplies. Um, okay, and then the, another important thing, we will not be having service here on Sunday. And so if you're not able to make it to the retreat, we're not going to be having something here. Um, I think we're going to try to see if we can put a sign on the, on the door just in case somebody does come and is confused about why we're not here. Um, so if you aren't going to be able to come to the retreat, you can... Um, go to a church nearby, go to one of our other family of churches. You could even come just for Sunday stuff because we're going to be having, at the retreat, we're going to be having like a Sunday morning service. It's a little different, but um, so you can just drive a little further and come join us for Sunday. But there won't be a meeting here. So make sure that if there's someone that's not here that you're worried they might miss this info, let them know. Uh, I'd hate for somebody to show up and just be confused. So um, the last thing is just, oh, yeah. Um, Leslie sent some of these things too, which is funny. Bring your good attitude and be ready to have a lot of fun. So one of the things that I think is so true about any of these kinds of things when we're a group of people coming together is that we all want it to go well and be enjoyable and be a lot of fun, but we actually are the ones that make that happen. Like whatever we bring in terms of attitude and like vibes or whatever you want to say if you're Gen Z, we actually kind of make that together. And so bring a, a, an attitude that's excited about hanging out together, you know, meeting people that you don't know very well, trying to get some time with people you don't know, play a game with people you don't know, whatever it is, being excited about worshiping together, all that stuff, uh, whenever we add it all up, all the different attitudes we bring is what creates a really fun, successful, enjoyable, worshipful, glorifying God time together. So please bring that with you as you bring all the other stuff to you. I'm going to say a short prayer for our retreat, and then our worship team is going to come sing one more song. Oh, Lord, um, just thank you so much for the chance for us to get together next week and um, spend more time with you um, and help just unite our church further, help uh, our church grow in relationship with each other, help us just get time to really um, 
to really worship you in, a, in an uninhibited way. And um, Lord, I just pray whatever purpose you have in mind for our retreat, whatever purpose you have, the things you want our church to grow in and learn and, and change and stuff, that you would accomplish that next weekend, um, that you'd open all of our hearts and ears to hear from you, to hear the word you have for our church, to hear um, just the direction you're wanting us to go in. And Lord, we just thank you for all you've done in our church, in our community, uh, in our family of churches over the years, and that we just love you so much. We just pray that you will show up in a real way at our retreat, and that everything that we do there, every conversation, every meal, every walk and talk, every game would glorify you. We love you so much, Lord. You're the best. Here I pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us for our sermon podcast. We would love for you to join us on Sunday morning or in one of our small groups during the week, and you can get more information about that at dentonnorthchurch.com.